Okay, guys, welcome to another Sailing Doodles podcast. Uh, back in Dallas for a few days, about to head out uh, this weekend and do some more glamping doodle stuff. And then uh, we're headed to the Bahamas to go sailing around on a Bali 48. So pretty cool stuff coming up. But the topic of this podcast is basically I wanted to talk about this last year where we spent probably four months down in Mexico. Kind of the good and the bad. Uh, had a really fun time there. I'm going to tell you why and how we ended up in Mexico uh, and then how things ended, it, it could have been pretty bad. It, I mean, it, it was already somewhat bad. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. So I want to kind of go through the whole timeline there and give you my thoughts on what it's like spending time down in Baja, Mexico. And if you'd like, you can actually look up glamping doodles. We documented almost all of this, uh, for my glamping doodles, uh, YouTube show. So check that out. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty good show. So uh, I was looking for somewhere to sail to film for sailing doodles, and I always really wanted to go down to the Sea of Cortez and sail that. I, I sailed my boat down there, or the boat I delivered to Thailand. I delivered that, I believe it was the fall of 2017. We made it down there just before Christmas, I believe, <clears throat> and um, really loved the Baja Peninsula. So Baja is the, there's, you know, I guess there's Baja and Baja Sur, I think they're like two different uh, provinces there, or states, whatever they call them. Um, and it's just south of California. It's the peninsula that, that, that sticks out there. So you got the Sea of Cortez, or they're calling it the Gulf of California now, whatever whatever it's called, uh, separates that, from, separates Baja from the mainland. And uh, generally speaking, uh, there's a lot less crime on that side. It's a lot more set up for tourists, and it's... Uh, and for there's a lot of expats that live there and it's generally considered much safer but it is still mexico so you have to deal with that but anyway <clears throat> so i wanted to go down there and sail in the sea of cortez and there was a charter base there at la paz so i scheduled that for november and i said okay since we're going down there anyway and we've been cruising around in the rv for the past couple months why don't we just drive the rv down there uh so um that's what we did i think it was uh, early november of last year Cross the border at San Diego, um, headed south. Now, we'll say, <clears throat> so, um, sorry, let me get a little drink here. I ended up getting a uh, storage unit in San Diego for the main reason is there is stuff that you are not allowed to bring down into Mexico that you can carry around with you. Uh, I'm just not going to go into specifics on it because I don't want to get the video demonetized, but um, a weapon that, you know, uses projectiles. How about I say that? And you can understand that. So that's why I got a storage unit in San Diego to basically store that. Cause I could not, you're not allowed to bring that into Mexico. If you do, you're in pretty serious trouble. Um, <clears throat> so what we do, and then we cross the border, uh, from the United States. So we got that, put that away and then cross the border from California into Mexico. And when you get on the Mexican side, you can, if you're in a car, you can just drive through and we probably could have just drove through in the RV and been fine. But a lot of times they want to get, uh, they want you to have a temporary import permit. It, it's not very expensive. I, I, I don't, I believe it's a couple hundred bucks. Maybe it's $500. I'm not sure. I can't remember how much it was, uh, but it wasn't that much. And uh, that's good for 10 years. So you can import a motor home, a boat, anything you want down there. So a lot of people, what they do is if they, uh, you know, say they live in San Diego, rather than keep their boat in San Diego, they'll keep their boat in, uh, down in you know, uh, what is that uh, first, not Tijuana, it's the next city down, but uh, I can't remember the name of it. But um, anyway, they'll keep their boat there and it's, you know, a quarter of the price, right? So uh, we stop and we're doing that. Uh, and then they actually, so they, they brought a dog on the RV and the dog searched the RV. 
So it's my understanding that the dogs down there, when you're coming into Mexico, they're not looking for drugs and all that. They're looking for basically weapons and, and people, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, uh, they don't want smuggling weapons in for, you know, cause it goes to the cartels and stuff. And then, you know, people, I, I don't know why necessarily, but that, those are my, that's my understanding. So dog came on. So I'm glad we definitely got that storage unit. Cause that could have been bad if they found something. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, had to do all the paperwork. It took us a little bit to get the right paperwork through because, uh, technically my LLC owns the RV. So I had to have a letter of author authorization from my LLC to myself. So I had to write a letter as myself representing the LLC to myself, representing myself so that I could get permission to drive my own RV in, a, in there. Anyway, it, it was long and convoluted, but we got it done. So, and then drove down, uh, made like four stops down to La Paz. I will say the, the, the roads in the beginning, the first couple hundred miles are not too bad, but after that, they are sketchy. It is, these roads are, you know, I think my RV is like eight feet wide or something like that. It, you know, it's the, the standard width of a class a diesel uh, RV. Uh, I think it's probably the, 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 the widest they allow or something in America. Well, those roads down there and it's a two lane highway. So one each direction and there's no divider. And those lanes are each probably six inches wider than my RV. And so, but, and then there's no shoulder there is just a drop off. Like it's not a very big drop off in most cases, but it's, you know, five, six, seven inches. So if you put a wheel off that road, man, you're going off into the ditch. It's going to be a bad day. Uh, and then so the, the saving thing is there's not a whole lot of traffic. Um, so especially when you get down a little more remote areas, kind of halfway down before, you know, you there's no, no big towns anymore. Uh, after you get a couple hundred miles from the border, uh, there's just a few small ones, um, along the way. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of traffic, but when there is an 18 wheeler coming at you on the other side and they're at least as wide as I am. And I mean, I'm, I'm honestly surprised we didn't crack mirrors a few times. Um, it's very, uh, very, uh, tense driving down there. Um, and it's, it's a long way down there. It took us something like 20 hours or more of driving just to get down to La Paz, um, and the whole reason I wanted to go down there is because when I did take, uh, that sailboat down there, we saw a few places like this one calls place called Los Frailes where a bunch of RV people were just kind of boondocked on the beach and it looked awesome. And I was like, man, I want to do that someday. And so, uh, we made it all the way down there uneventful. Um, they do have these military checkpoints. Um, you know, they're not too, there's probably three or four of them you go through, uh, going down South, uh, there's no real uh, they don't really stop you. Don't do anything. Um, but I'll, I'll get into that when we talk about turning around, coming back North. But I mean, even in one section, uh, when we were driving, there was a fatality and it's just a little two lane road with no shoulder. So there's no way for anybody to get by. And, uh, we were probably 45 minutes from the RV park, uh, when traffic stopped at about four in the afternoon. And then, I mean, we were there, the traffic didn't start moving until 11, um, because we were, uh, 45 minutes from that closest town and then, you know, probably three hours the other way. So like, number one, we couldn't turn around anyway, cause there's no room on the highway to turn around and it would have been three hours behind us or wait and then clear it 30, 40 minutes. Uh, so it took a while for all that to get cleared up. Right. I mean, they had to get the police out and then the corners and all that stuff, uh, and take care of everything. I got some drone footage that I might be overlaying here and yeah, it was a pretty bad looking accident, but finally they got it cleared around 11 o'clock. Uh, 
started driving. And then, of course, now we're driving on these little tiny roads at night, which is not ideal. And there's a whole bunch of traffic coming the other way because they're backed up the other way, too. And it's all these 18-wheelers. It's just not a good situation. And so we get to the uh, RV park there. And, um, man, I, I think it's Guerrero Negro. And, uh, and uh, the uh, of course, you know, it's after you know, midnight at this point. And so they have the, uh, they have, uh, the RV club park, they have a chain across it where you can't enter the RV park. So we just pulled over to the side of the road there and slept until dawn and then kept on going. Um, anyway, I don't remember what day we exactly made it to La Paz, but there's a pretty, there's a pretty nice little uh, RV park there in La Paz. We, uh, left the RV there while we went sailing for three, two weeks. Um, and then we continued on down to, originally it was going to go to Los Frailes, uh, and then we ended up stopping at Los Bariles, which just fell in love with the place. There's an RV park right on the water. It's relatively inexpensive. I think it was $750 a month with electricity and sewer. Uh, not every place has electricity and sewer, so you kind of got to, and then you can get a, a beachfront site or a waterfront site for, I don't know, probably 30, 40% more, but you got to make your reservations pretty well in advance for all that. And... So found Los Bariles and just fell in love with the place. Uh, we ended, we did, we, so we stayed there about a couple of weeks. Then we went to Los Frailes for just like a week, spent four or five days boondocked on the beach and then back to Los Bariles. And uh, the kind of the convenient thing is it's only like, oh, an hour, maybe not even an hour to uh, San Jose del Cabo. It's maybe a little over an hour to La Paz. You want to go to Cabo San Lucas, it's an hour and a half, hour 45. But the airport there at San Jose del Cabo is only like 45 minutes. So it was really convenient. Um, so we, uh, left the RV and the RV park for Christmas, flew home. Um, and then, you know, we could have, you know, people could come and go f fly in and out and Los Briles, really cool to beach town. Um, a lot of expats there, um, a lot of good restaurants and just a really nice vibe. And one of the things I really liked about going down there was that, uh, you know, it was so difficult to get down there, right? I mean, it's a long, tedious, uh, harrowing drive to get down there and not many people are, are going to do that. Uh, and so, you know, the people you met down there were people, a lot of these people have been coming every year for years and years and years. They probably wouldn't want me doing a, a podcast about it because they don't want me to ruin it for, for, you know, by getting a whole bunch of other people to go down there. Uh, be, but because it is such a long drive, it's a hard drive and it is Mexico, you know, it's not as safe as America and all that. So that's why it's... Um, you know, uh, uh, that's why it, not too many, if it was easy to get down there, the place would be packed. Right. And in fact, uh, so the guy that runs the RV park there, uh, his name is Hutch. Um, nice guy. Uh, and he said he's never seen it that packed the year that we were there. We got, you know, we, we got there, I guess it was, um, around Thanksgiving or so. So we got there, uh, you know, before it got busy, it gets, starts getting busy there after Christmas. So we got our, our spot and we were able to stay there until, uh, um, first week of February. And so just fell in love with the place and I'm tempted to go back. Um, and you will know, we'll kind of get into some of the reasons here in a minute why I may or may not go back. And, you know, you guys leave me a comment down below in the comments or, uh, wherever you're listening to this from about what you think, uh, I should do here or if you would go back. So, so anyway, we uh, stayed through uh, February, and then we uh, needed to get back. We had uh, some stuff we had to take care of in the U.S. We were going to go meet um, with some family and things, and so we, we just we had to leave. So we leave uh, Los Bariles and kind of work our way up. We make two or three, four stops on the way up, 
And uh, everybody said that there's two roads that go down there. There's Highway 1 and Highway 5, and then they kind of meet up and become Highway 1. But everybody was saying that how much better Highway 5 is. And Highway 5 is on basically the east side of Baja, Mexico. And so we gave that a shot on the way up, which goes up to Mexicali, and then which is about 70 miles east of San Diego. And so instead of going across to Highway 1 and coming up through Tijuana. So... Uh, we're doing that, and then we start, you know, you, you pass through the, 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 the military checkpoints on the way up, and, you know, most of the checkpoints just kind of waved us through, asked us where we were from, where, where we came from, where we're going, and they just waved us through. At one checkpoint, they actually did, a military guy came on and wanted to, to, uh, to walk through the RV, so we let him on. And he kind of starts opening cabinets, everything. He opens the refrigerator. And, of course, I have beer in my refrigerator. And he goes, oh, yeah, beer. And I'm like, would you like one? And he's like, yeah. And so he grabs one, kind of puts it in his pocket. And then, uh, uh, you know, starts looking through the rest of the RV, goes back, looks in the, in the bedroom and all that, and then goes, and goes in the bathroom and closes the door, right? And he's in there not very long, like a minute maybe, and then comes out and uh, he had slammed the beer while he was in the bathroom and left the can in the bathroom. And he's like, okay, cool. And, or he didn't even speak English, but whatever. He was like, okay. And, um, and then left. So, I mean, I don't know if that was a bribe or what we were doing, but I mean, it's kind of like, okay, you're a military officer and you're, you're, I mean, drinking a beer on duty in our RV. Like that's real great. Anyway. So, uh, we, we, we continue driving up and, uh, oh man, that it's really windy down there at that time of year, like really windy. And it was probably blowing 30 or 40 miles an hour. And it basically kind of, uh, it, it caught one of my slide out toppers, like the wind is. And like, I guess it was not properly installed, properly tensioned. And there's supposed to be like a little arm that keeps it from billowing out. It's like an anti-billow device. Right. And, um, it didn't happen. It, it, so that, 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 uh, slide out topper just billowed out and caught the wind as we were driving and man that's a little scary you know you got the thing coming out down the road what if there had been an 18 wheeler passing us when that happened right so uh and then there's no shoulder right so there's nowhere i can actually pull over and so uh i slow way down it kind of comes back in actually no it's on top of the rv because it's it, it totally broke it so it's just flapping around and i finally after a mile or two find a place where i can like pull off the road and, uh, actually I think, no, we even stopped on the road for a little while until I could, I got up on there. Yeah, that's what I did. I got up on there and I was able to rip it off the rest of the way. And then, um, and then we drove down a couple miles, uh, to a place where we could pull over. But then that whole thing had basically ripped part of the roof off too. Uh, I don't know if it caught it or what, but it started ripping the roof off. So then, you know, I can't continue to drive like that. So we, we stick the slide out topper inside the RV and I, luckily I had enough tools on the RV to make some repairs. We, uh, I basically got these metal L brackets and drilled into, through the roof, into the metal frame of the RV and, uh, used, I only had wood screws, so, but it worked. And then, um, so then use these metal L brackets to kind of hold the, uh, the, the roof of the RV down well enough until, you know, I could get a proper repair on it, which I've since done. Um, and then, so I think it was it the same day. So it was already not a great day. And, um, we pull up to Mexicali. So the roads on highway five, I mean, marginally better. I wouldn't say, I mean, don't go out of your way to go that way. I mean, like it might be slightly better, but it's not worth an extra two hours of driving in my opinion. Um, but whatever. Um, so then we get to Mexicali East, we're going to cross the border 
And man, the, the drivers there were really aggressive and they were, I mean, you know, I've got this big RV and I'm pulling a trailer and they're just not letting us get around very easily at all. So then, uh, finally get towards the border there and the signage is terrible. Like they don't say, you know, cars only or autos or trucks, or, I mean, maybe there, I'm sure there was like a truck place, but I never saw it. And so I didn't know which lane to turn down. So I just picked the farthest lane, um, on the left-hand side. Uh, rather than one of the middle lanes, and um, I, it was the wrong lane, right? So we get about halfway down, and it's getting more narrow and narrower, and we pull up to this, like, kind of like, I don't know if it's like in a little inspection place where, like, there's a, I don't think he's a police officer. I think he just worked at, at whatever, and I'm like, am I in the right place? And he doesn't speak English, and, like, my Spanish, I can't, and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm trying to say, is this right? Is this mas grande? Okay, is this está bien? And he's like, yeah, he's not even, he's just, he's like, just go, just go. And he waves me on through. I'm like, okay. So we start getting there. And then right as we get to the border, um, like the, 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 the American side is probably six inches narrower than the Mexican side. So we're literally on the border. And they have this like pole sticking up on the side and we don't fit. And so we stop there and, uh, man, I mean, we're blocking traffic. I feel bad. Right. I mean, there's all these cars behind us and like, and so we're sitting there talking to the American side and then uh, there's no Mexican on this, that side of the border. They were way down at the other checkpoint. So if, eventually after a few minutes, I don't know, it was five or 10 minutes. Um, the, uh, Mexican guys come over and they're like screaming and yelling and like, tell they're telling stephanie like get your effing passport get give us your passports you know they're really being like aggressive and i'm like look i mean I, I, like there's no need i like i messed up man like there's no need to get aggressive here we'll figure it out i mean whatever we got to do and he's like he so he took our passports said you go through you come back drive back and then you talk to us you're gonna have to pay a penalty and then i'll give you your passports back and we're like i mean we have no choice right we're still in mexico and they're taking our passports what are we gonna do uh, after 20, 30 minutes, the Americans move a little stuff. It's still too narrow for us to fit through. They can't move anything more because these poles are like bolted to the ground. Um, and so I'm talking to the American guy. He's the supervisor for the, for the American CBP. And he's like, look, man, you got no choice. It, you're going to scratch your RV, but you have to get through. Um, you know, you just have to go. And so we did. And it caused, uh, you know, many thousands of dollars of damage. I had insurance help cover it. Um, so, uh, I mean, it wasn't the end of the world. Uh, we get through and then, uh, you know, now we don't have our passports. So we have to pull over on the American side at kind of a waiting area. And then we got to go in with the, with the, uh, with the supervisor and like, I guess in that situation, we ended up having our, um, passport cards. So nowadays when you get a passport, you can get an ID card that just has your name and your address on it. It looks like a, like a driver's license, but it's a passport card. And, um, so we had those, those actually made it a lot easier. Cause then he's like, Oh, I'll just take these. But I mean, like they have the authors they knew we were clearly Americans and we had driver's licenses and all that stuff. And so they were going to let us in the country no matter what, but we had that. So it made it easier. So now then we're talking to the supervisor and he's, and, you know, and, and so saying, we're saying, Hey, you see, they took our passports and, you know, and they said, I said, you know, they want us to drive the RV back, RV back and then go pay a penalty. And then, uh, to, well, then they'll let us go with our passports. And he said, no, 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 don't do that. And, and in fact, like when we were first walking 
over there, like one of the other CBP guys was like, oh man, don't, don't even, you know, just, just, just leave, man. Don't even worry about it. Anyway, so we start talking to the supervisor and, and he, he was like, well, I do not drive the RV back over there. If you really, cause I'm like, we have to fly in three weeks over to, uh, I don't know where we were going. Uh, I think we're going to Greece or, uh, I think we're going to Thailand or something. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, so, uh, we're like, Oh, okay. What do we do? He's like, well, you can walk back. I'm like, Oh, why don't we just do that? So we ended up, um, he, he we, it was about a half a mile from the border. There was a truck stop. So we drove the RV to the truck stop, left it there and walked back. Actually, I, st- I stopped at the ATM and got about a thousand dollars in cash at, at the ATM. Um, and, uh, just in case, you know, I had to pay whatever bribes, fines, whatever. And, um, so then we walk back actually the U S CBP escorts us across. So we didn't have to, you know, we, we walked across, they walked us to the gate and let us through into Mexico. Uh, and then we go and find, uh, the guy that had our, uh, passports. And I guess he was their supervisor. I don't know specifically what his role there was, but he was in a uniform and, uh, you know, I said, Hey man, you know, we're here. I was very apologetic. I said, you know, uh, I'm sorry. It was my fault. I turned down the wrong lane. I didn't know where to go. Um, you know, I'm here to pay whatever penalty and, and get our passports so we can go. And he's like, well, where's the RV? And I said, no, we left it in America. He's no, you have to bring the RV back. And I, I was like, well, I mean, if it's just a penalty, I mean, like, let me pay the penalty, you know, and then, and then we can go. And he's like, that's not works. You have to bring the RV back. Then you pay the penalty. Then we give your passports and then, then you can leave. And I'm like, yeah, right. That's okay. You're full of crap. Cause that's not what you're going to do at all. Uh, so then we walk back across the border and, uh, you know, go through the same thing on the U S side, showing our passport cards, they let us through. And, you know, we actually were, we're at the, at the gate checking in. And the first guy, you know, we're telling him, kind of told him what they said. And he's like, man, just leave right off your passports. Don't go back. That's, you know, don't. And so then, you know, we kind of pretty much decided that's what we're doing. And then, you know, we, we, uh, we asked to speak to the supervisor again, uh, of the CVP side, the American side, and just want to, we, I just want to confirm you know, that everything's copacetic and, and that, you know, what he thinks the whole situation. And, uh, he's very nice. He came out and he was like, yeah, man, I mean, don't go back. Uh, cause one of two things are going to happen. They're either going to come up with, um, you know, uh, a penalty so large that it's not worth the RV or they will try to get you in the RV or they will get you in the RV alone where you have to pay a bribe or have to do something or both or something else. Um, you know, they find something on your RV. I mean, you know, whatever they, they plant, who knows they find something you're in trouble. They own you now. And it's like, yeah, okay. I said, I mean, so what about our passports? He said, just write them off as stolen and get new passports. And so that's what we did. We left the RV, we, we got in the RV and continued back to San Diego, got the RV parked there and got our stuff and kept on moving. And then actually we got a, uh, uh, I think we set it up for the next day or two, we got a, uh, a passport, um, uh, expediter. So we went through their system because I think we, well, we were flying to Miami for the Miami boat. So that's what it was. That's why we had to get back. And then after that, we were going to continue on, um, to, uh, sailing, you know, we had to go overseas or wherever it was. So then we actually set up a, uh, a, uh, passport, you know, um, uh, expediting company and we had the pictures taken, did all the affidavits, did all that with a passport company. It ended up being $1,500 um, for two new passports 
within, I believe it was a week or something like that or five days. Um, cause we were traveling in like two weeks. And so, uh, with all the backlog of passport stuff from COVID and all that, I mean, like, that's just, you know, cause I've had a, I've done a rush passport before and it was like $500, but that was like seven or eight years ago. Right. Uh, this was, you know, I was like, no, 1500 bucks for two passports. So, um, you know, that was honestly probably cheaper than it would have been. I mean, who knows? I mean, 10,000, 20,000 go to jail in Mexico. I don't know. So, you know, and so when I talked to the CBP officer, I said, you know, what if we ever wanted to go back to Mexico or something? He's like, well, I would never cross at Mexicali again, because, you know, if that guy recognizes you, you're in trouble. Um, and he said that on the Mexican side, they don't really communicate like so, you know, um, I, you know, and who knows? We didn't actually break any laws. Right. So that's the thing is we don't know if there is an arrest warrant for us in Mexico. I've reached out to several lawyers to look into it. Um, nobody's responded. I'd like to just, you know, I mean, I don't, we never broke any laws, right? The guy took our passports. He never fined us anything, never wrote us a citation, never accused us of breaking a law. So, I mean, we, we, we blocked the lane for 20, 30 minutes. If there's a law against that, I don't know. But, I mean, um, you know, uh, so that's the thing is I don't know. Uh, so if anybody has any information on, like, how to figure that out, like, I've reached out to friends that have friends that are lawyers in Mexico and nobody's responded. Uh, so, I mean, I want to look into that to see if I, I can go back. Because I, I kind of would like to go back. I really love Baja so much. I, I mean, it's just it's such a shame that the government and, uh, you know, is so corrupt, um, and that there's so much crime. I mean, cause it's a beautiful place and most of the people are awesome. Like the people we met down there were all really cool and very friendly and very nice people, all the locals and everything. And it's just a shame that their countries kind of run that way. Um, so I don't know, but, uh, it is what it is. So that is the whole Mexico story and how that happened. I was debating going back there this winter. Obviously, I would not cross in Mexicali. I'd probably just go back all the way to San Diego and then back down. Um, I don't think I'm going to have time uh, now after a few other things. Like so, so with the with the new boat. So we're going to Thailand in November to look at that, and then it's supposed to be out of the factory in January. So I might have to go back for that, uh, and then you know we'll see. So. Um, I don't think I have enough time because it's such a, that's the thing is it, it's such a long drive down there. It's 20 to 24 hours of driving to get down to Southern Baja and it's not pleasant driving. If it was just 24 hours of like on the interstate, sure. Okay. Whatever. But no, it's not pleasant driving. It's very stressful. So I don't know. So anyway, that's the story. Thank you guys for listening. If anybody has any advice on that or knows how to look into I mean, I've, I've, I've Googled like how to look up you know, online to see if you're a warrant. And I've actually gone through their little system and couldn't find anything on myself, but who knows? So anyway, thanks guys. Uh, please click that like and subscribe button. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can watch it on YouTube, um, or you can get, uh, anywhere you get your audio podcast. So thanks guys. And we'll talk to you in the next one.